0: Topped with creamy cookie butter cold foam, covered in cookie butter crumbles, and perfectly pairable with our new cookie butter donut, Dunkin's Cookie Butter Cold Brew is a delicious match for your decked out domination. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. I work at an amusement park where only half of the actors are actual actors. But do I, though? Should I say I used to instead? Scratch it. It's unimportant. After what I learned yesterday, I feel like I couldn't take it all in if I tried. I woke up when the first bright beams of morning sunlight found their way through the windscreen of Dale's pickup truck. Slowly opening my eyes, I couldn't remember where I was at first. Then everything came rushing back to me, and I admit I felt like throwing up. You're awake, Dale remarked from beside me. How are you? Awful, I muttered, rubbing my eyes. Were you awake all that time? How long was I out for? Taking a look at the car's radio display, he replied, Six hours, I think. And no, not exactly. I pulled over soon after you fell asleep to take a short nap, but I couldn't really rest. I'm a bit of an insomniac, anyways. And I called the others and told them to stay away from the park. What did you tell them? I asked. I didn't really explain anything, I just told him not to come in or to leave instantly. Mitchell kind of knows what's up anyways. had to make an exception for Caroline though. I told her to rush in in the afternoon, ask her question and then book it. I don't think the laws of the park are in place anymore, but I don't want to take any chances. After all, the pianist is a ticking time bomb, courtesy of Warren by the way. That guy placed him there as a reminder for me and my folks not to forget about the Wild ones. I frowned. Makes sense, I muttered before once again burying my forehead in my palm. Are you okay? No, feeling kind of dizzy, I replied before perking up. Wait, did you just say Mitchell knows what's up? Yeah, well, not exactly. See, I had to assign actors to everyone, and I figured I could have Mitch keep an eye on you-know-who. I never told him who he actually is and what purpose he fills, but I did tell him to watch him like intensely, said it was very important. Also, I asked him to pay special attention to his interactions with you. What is it that he wants from me anyways? I hadn't asked him this before, mainly because I hadn't expected him to know, but also because I was slightly afraid of the answer. I'm not sure, to be honest, my manager answered, but it's, um, it's personal. What do you mean by that? Personal? Okay, so, when you first came to the park, I noticed that he began to watch you. Like, pretty much right off the bat. A week or so later, he showed up on my office doorstep, and he... He wanted your name. So I showed him how to spell it. To them, names really do have power. But I'm not certain in what way that counts for humans, so, uh... I can't look into his head, you know. I get that, I muttered. The atmosphere in the car remained tense until we left the highway and entered town. The neighborhood Dale finally pulled into looked suburban and wealthy, with large, colorful houses to either side. We drove along the street for a couple minutes, me staring out of the window in silent awe at the idyllic scenes we passed. There was a couple sitting outside on their front lawn in folding chairs, in front of one of the residences. Another had three rather alike-looking children throw around a ball between them and there was a lady sunbathing on the porch of yet another one of these buildings. It looked picture-perfect, like something out of a movie. Dale pulled up by a house on the very end of the street. We're here, he said curtly. We got out of the truck and walked up to its porch. The house was huge. Of course, that wasn't too much of a surprise, but I hadn't expected it to be this pretty. Lush green lawn reached from the edge of the sidewalk all the way up to the porch. The yard held a swing set, a tall tree and a trampoline. Three small children were happily jumping around on the ladder, while another one was sitting on the swing. They're my brothers, Dale told me, looking over at them with a fond smile. As we got closer he called out to them. The kids immediately stopped their playing and came bounding over to us, gathering around my manager. None of them were even tall enough to reach up to his waist, but they grabbed onto his arms anyways. "'Uncle Dale!' one of them, a petite blonde girl, greeted him. "'Mom didn't tell us you were coming over?' "'Yeah, well, it's a bit of a surprise visit, Courtney,' Dale explained, awkwardly trying to take a step forward with the four kids blocking his path. "'Sweetie, I gotta talk to Grandma and Grandpa. You guys really have to get out of my way. I'm stumbling. "'Dallas, can you please not pull on my pants?' thank you. He shot me a pleading glance. I couldn't help but giggle at the sight. Suddenly the front door was thrown open and a tall, blonde man stepped out onto the porch. He looked around and spotted Dale and the children. His eyes lit up and he ran over to us. The kids quickly made way and he wrapped his arms around my manager and heartily patted him on the back in greeting. Dude, I had no idea you'd drop by. How are you? Who's the lady? Dale was looking extremely uncomfortable by now. His face had taken on the color of an overly ripe apple and he gently attempted to remove himself from the man's embrace. I remember suddenly noticing that they looked very alike. The same sandy hair, the same square jaw, the same brown eyes. Hey Dean, I'm fine. Dean, this is Leia, Mr. Scratch's actress. Leia, this is my younger brother Dean. Dean cracked me a wide smile and shook my hand. So, what are you guys doing here? Everything all right at the park? His face fell when he noticed Dale's grim expression. Well, screw me, he muttered. A little later, we were sitting at the table in Dale's family kitchen. A little later, we were sitting at the table in Dale's family's kitchen. Their home was just as pretty from the inside as it was out. I had been thoughtfully introduced to Betty and Rick, Dale's mother and father as well as to Bridget, Dean's wife. She is a beautiful red-headed woman, hailing from Ireland, as openly proven by her strong accent. Dean and Bridget's children were playing tag outside in the backyard. I could hear them giggle and shout through the open window. Rick was leaning against the kitchen cupboard. Ever since we had told him what had happened, he hadn't stopped shaking his head in disbelief and distress. This is beyond confusing. The contract has been violated by both sides, if not broken entirely, he stated in his gruff, hoarse voice. Warren? He wasn't meant to take you on his own. Let's see. I think it's pretty obvious that the ones underground started to dislike ever since you began to threaten Moth and Mulberry physically. They were mad as hell, Dale agreed from his seat on the kitchen counter. But they were mad at me too for giving you the revolver. "'Yeah, um, why did you give it to me anyways?' I asked. "'It works like a protective charm. "'Warren hates it, I admit. "'That wasn't very well thought through, "'seeing as I think that's what pushed him over the edge, "'but whatever.' "'I tried. "'I fired you because the ones underground "'wanted to see your gut spilled. "'That wasn't really a breach of the contract yet, though. "'I mean, it's Warren who brings the news about the sacrifices, "'so I was just like, his loss.' He hadn't said anything yet, so I figured it'd be my last chance to get you out of there. I hadn't expected that to happen, you know. What we need to do is figure out if we can mend the contract somehow, Rick explained. I admit I'm tired of it too, but we can't just endanger the kids. Maybe we can cancel it on peaceful terms. He reached out to Pat my shoulder reassuringly. We'll get you fixed somehow, don't you worry. Warren has acted on his own this time. That's not exactly forbidden, but it also isn't allowed. After all, the employees kind of count as our belongings. Thanks, I said softly, and Rick smiled. But what if it doesn't work out? Betty argued. We should prepare ourselves for things to get violent. What happened can't be undone. And technically, Dale wasn't completely true to the contract either. One could even argue that he was more in the wrong. I mean, there were indications that the Wild Ones wanted Leia for whatever reasons. All I'm saying is that they might not be happy about it. Perhaps they'll even be angry enough to fall back into certain older schemes. If it comes to hurting them, iron seems to work really well. But like, is it even possible to kill them? I inquired, nervously caressing my locket. No one seemed to know the answer. Betty and Rick exchanged contemplative glances while Dean shook his head. Don't think so. One thing's really confusing to me as well. So far, the Wild Ones mostly chose their sacrifices to make us feel crappy. It's all a huge power play to them. So, who even were the previous sacrifices? I asked curiously. Betty sighed. Oh dear, where do you even start? The first sacrifice was a wolfhound which belonged to one of the first settlers. The wild ones had the guy kill the poor thing by having a drink, worn spit. And then they… they did something weird to its body. They changed it, made it big and strong and monstrous. When the fairground still existed, the settlers exhibited him as a real-life demon or devil. That's how much they mauled him. The next thing they asked for was a stagecoach. Warren liked Colt's attitude. He was into the whole western style and he wanted the carriage as his plaything. The horses were fed with his secretions and he chose a settler to drive it around. Then for a really long time, they didn't ask for anything else. Until Rick's grandaunt and granduncle were chosen. His grandaunt's name was Grace. She was a theater actress. But she only ever starred in small plays. Nothing too big. Her husband, Robert, led the fairground for a pretty long time. He was a really artistic guy, very musical. Him and his wife would do small shows on the fairground from time to time. I don't know why it was these two that Warren chose. Maybe he saw how happy they were and wanted to destroy it. Perhaps it was in a twisted sense of humor, as in make the show go on for eternity. It was heartbreaking to see them turn. The worst thing, though, happened just 20 years ago. There was this actress, Layla. Layla was very disrespectful towards the not-actors, treated them like animals, all of them. But she didn't deserve what he did to her, though Warren would probably beg to differ. Betty bit her lip and lowered her eyes. So, all in all, there's a whole lot of differences between you and those actors. I mean, you didn't do anything wrong until very recently, and you're not part of the family. That doesn't have to mean anything, Bridget suddenly spoke up. Your story reminds me of something, actually. Back when I lived in Ireland, my home was close to a fairy ring. Sometimes some of them would come out to see the light of day. I'm certain I even saw some of them a couple times. But my older sister actually got chosen by one of them. Her voice had shrunken into a secretive whisper. I noticed her acting strange, like she was high or something. She would go outside every day, and every time, she'd be gone for a little longer. Then one day, she just didn't come home at all. We asked the neighbors who lived a little closer to the ring, and they swore up and down they saw her with a man with the head of a dog. They described her to seem weirdly enchanted by him. It's obvious that he took her. I haven't seen her ever since. I've read about a ton of such incidents. Fae sometimes take a liking to humans. Once they find pretty or appealing. They train them to follow them around. They drug them with their magic. They keep them like slaves or pets. I dared not break her gaze. I swallowed. Well, I don't want to be anybody's pet, I said, trying to sound firm, but my voice faltered and broke. You won't, Dean assured me with a warm smile. We'll work this out somehow. Let's just stay positive, okay? You said you had a breakdown in the men's restroom, Rick muttered, a deep frown on his face. You can probably figure out on your own what it is we locked away in there. The entrance to the underworld, I breathed. Rick nodded. See, there's something way off about that breakdown. Let me get this straight. You fell unconscious and Warren got you out of there, but not before removing the protective charms from your possession? I believe the presence of the charms, which are strongly rejected by the entrance, caused you to pass out. But that other fit of yours, the one where you attacked your co-worker, that shouldn't have happened. There's no explanation for it. Unless, of course, you had already started to turn, Dale interjected offhandedly. The room fell silent. Dale's eyes widened when he realized what he had just said. He cleared his throat. For how long did Darius say you were in there? He... you didn't specify, I stammered. I felt like throwing up. All right, all right, dear, calm down, Betty said softly, placing her hand on my shoulder. The turning process takes nine days at the very least, and all those who have been turned beforehand had to stay in the park while it happened. Plus, you're still wearing that necklace. Seems to be pretty helpful. We have enough time to sort this out. Let's just focus on what to do next. Right. Rick muttered. I'm thinking that we're going to have a visitor pretty soon. I spun around to look at him. Why, you mean he's followed us here? Rick nodded. I imagine he's on his way. He is the enforcer of upper management's rules, after all. And even though he acted against them, it's his job to set this straight. Not sure how he travels, but probably underground. He was never completely bound to the park, you know. And now that the contract is on thin ice... He's got more freedom than ever. Chances are he's even got his voice back. Well, great. Judging from how much the others talk, he probably won't shut up either. It'll probably help with the negotiations, though, Dale remarked. He was trying to sound lighthearted, but I could hear the strain in his tone. Are you the only one who can hear those underground? I asked. Dale nodded. It's always the one in the manager's position who can hear them. We then went about making preparations for Warren's arrival. Dean explained that we would have to offer him hospitality if we wanted to settle the matter peacefully. However hard that might be for us. Betty sent me outside to bring in the children. I watched them run around in the backyard for a little while. Courtney, the little blonde girl, seemed to be it at the moment. She deliberately chased after a chubby ginger-haired girl, who in turn seemed to try to reach the large tree in the back of the yard in time. Courtney's hand came into contact with her at the same moment her fingers touched the bark of the tree. You're it, Courtney shouted. Whitney, you're it. No, I'm not. I got to the safety tree in time. See, I'm touching it. Yeah, but I got you first, Courtney insisted. If you cheat, the people underground will come for you. The people underground will come for you. They're taking the rules of the contract and turn them into a game. I remember thinking it was morbid. Hey, you guys, your mom wants you to come inside, I called out. The four kids stopped goofing around and obediently came trotting over to the back door. They cracked me shy smiles as they walked past me into the house. Betty gathered them in one of the top floor rooms. The room was completely empty, and Betty spread salt around its edges, encircling the space the kids would be staying in. Leia, pay close attention now. This is the safe room. It's high up from the ground, making it more uncomfortable for any of the wild ones to reach. They like to stay as close to the soil as possible. That's why we keep it unoccupied, so we can use it as a sort of a panic room. The salt keeps the wild ones from entering. When Warren arrives, we will have to face him together, but if anything goes wrong, you can always come up here and join the kids. Thank you, I muttered. Betty smiled at me. We'll make it through somehow, she assured me. I'm sure it'll be fine. When the sun set, we had all gathered in the living room. Bridget had thankfully allowed me to take a long, relaxing shower using her shampoo and washing gel, which actually helped me to take my mind off of things for about 15 minutes. I had changed into some fresh clothing and went to join the others in watching TV. Even though the kids were still with us and there was a cartoon show blaring a full volume, the tension in the room was palpable when I entered. Betty, Rick, Dean, and Bridget were sitting on the couch while the children had snuggled up on the carpeted floor. Dale was sitting on the floor as well, a little off to the side. He looked up to me and gave me a weary smile and waved me over. I plopped down next to him. I had taken Colt's revolver with me and the locket was dangling from my neck as usual. We sat like this for about an hour. Apart from a few occasional giggles from the kids, none of us said a word. Then all of a sudden, the strained atmosphere was broken by the sound of knocking at the front door. The knocks came slow and hard, three times, each one a little louder than the last. Bridget instantly scrambled to her feet and shooed the kids upstairs while the rest of us went for the door. I hid behind Dale, feeling a tad foolish for not standing out for myself. My sweaty fingers cramped around the revolver's handle. The bullets inside it are made of lead, but I hope that he hates the thing itself enough to make him stay away from me. Rick was the one to open the door to him. Good evening, Warren, he said, his frame blocking out the newcomer from my view. My heart stopped for a second when a voice, an actual voice, replied to him. It was sharp and cold. There was an almost mocking tone to it. Greetings, Rick. It has been a while, has it not? A short pause followed. Nobody sang a word. Will you not invite me inside, old friend? Rick sighed deeply. Come in, then. He stepped aside to make way for the park's guardian. For a split second, Warren's eyes met mine, just before I could duck further behind Dale's back. The corners of his mouth stretched into a wry smirk. My heart was pounding in my chest. Actually, I feel very tired. I wish to rest. If you allow me, I shall retire in your backyard. If that's what you want. But I don't want you sneaking in without knocking. This is our home. Please remember that. I would never. Right now, I'm lying in bed in the guest room. I'm alone and everything is silent. Uncomfortably so. But the worst thing is that there's a window to the backyard. It's right above the bed. And whenever I lift my head, I can see him. He's standing upright in the garden. It's too dark to tell if he's looking at anything, but I feel like he's watching me. I know he promised Rick not to come in, but that isn't really helping. I'm scared to fall asleep.